Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Proverbs chapter 17, starting to read at verse 9. He who covers over an offence promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. A rebuke impresses a man of discernment more than a hundred lashes a fool. An evil man is bent only on rebellion. A merciless official will be sent against him. Better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool in his folly. If a man pays back evil for good, evil will never leave his house. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Acquitting the guilty and condemning the innocent, the Lord detests them both. Of what use is money in the hand of a fool, since he has no desire to get wisdom? A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And the second reading is taken from John's Gospel, chapter 15, which is on page 1083. John, chapter 15, starting to read at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Good morning, everyone. It's very good to see you. Joe, thank you for reading for us. And do keep your Bibles open. We'll be getting to John 15 later on in the sermon, but we'll begin in the book of Proverbs. And if you're open at um, the reading, page 652, you'll be well placed as we look at Proverbs together. Also, I hope you received on the way in, amidst the bundle of paperwork, this handout which will give you a sense of where we're going in the next few moments, and it contains some, some key verses we're looking at as well from the book of Proverbs, so that might be helpful to have to hand. It's, it's double-sided, so don't um, forget to turn over partway through the sermon. I'll flag it up, but there's a handout for you. And most importantly, let, let me pray for us all now as we look at God's words together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that your word is full of truth and that it can make us wise. And Father, we 
pray that you'd help us to believe that this morning. And so help us to come to your word now with great humility and hunger, uh, longing to be shaped by your word. And we pray that for our good, but also for your glory. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this year, just over half of all UK households have some kind of subscription to an online film or or, um, program streaming service like Netflix or Amazon Prime. And because the demand is so great, these companies now spend billions of pounds filming new content to keep the nation entertained. But I wonder if you knew that during the last two years the most popular, the most downloaded program in this country was a program that was, um, hasn't been filmed for over 15 years. I'm talking about the, the sitcom Friends. Friends is all about some adults who have discovered a group of friends who will stick with them through all of life. As the uh, theme tune goes, I'll be there for you when the rain starts to pour. I won't sing it, so don't worry. But there it is. And... Um, One of the reasons why the show has endured in its popularity is that as we watch these friends doing life together, there is a deep longing in each of us to have friends like that. It's very hard to thrive and to get through life without some friends around us who know us, who love us, who are committed to us, and who are there for us, whatever happens in life. There's a longing for friendship in our hearts, in the world. And yet, even as we long for friendship, there is a deep confusion in our world about friendship. With the rise of social media, many people are exchanging face-to-face conversations with online interactions. Deep conversations are replaced by one-line answers. And because online engagement allows us to do this, increasingly people are only presenting part of their lives to the world often the parts of our lives that are presentable and happy and successful and the bits that we want people to see. But because we can and because other people do it, we hide the parts of us that are broken and weeping and sad and difficult. How many friends do we have? Well, Facebook won't tell us. Acquaintances, maybe, but not friends. Our culture is also very confused about intimacy, And increasingly, there is an assumption that intimacy is always sexual. So people look back at famous relationships in the past, and they assume that uh, these two great friends, that there must have been something more going on than just friendship. I think of the famous friendship between David and Jonathan in the Old Testament. A great example of, of two brothers befriending one another wonderfully. But many modern readers now confused about the difference between intimacy and sex, look back at those old stories and think that there must have been something going on between David and Jonathan more than just friendship, something sexual, because you couldn't possibly have such an intimate friendship that wasn't sexual. At least that's how our culture is increasingly thinking. The Christian author Sam Albury points out, and I quote, sex and intimacy are not the same. It is possible to have a lot of sex and yet find no intimacy, end quote. And yet because our culture is confused, many people are not looking for intimacy in friendship, thinking it's only found in a sexual relationship. And also our, our culture is confused when it comes to self-reliance. 
We're told that we need to be self-made, self-sustaining people. It's a weakness to open up and to need the help of others. And so we might be very happy to offer help when our friend needs it, and we'll give ourselves to them. But the thought of receiving help back, well, that, that just feels too awkward. And it can feel like we've been defeated in life, that we failed if we have to let others come and help us. Or at least that's the way our culture seems to work at the moment. This morning, we continue our little series thinking about wise investments in life. And last week, we looked at investing in our relationship with the Lord. This week, we're thinking about investing in our friendships. And we're going to look together at the book of Proverbs, a book written to help us to be wise for life, wise in our decisions, wise in how we spend our time. It's a book packed full of the importance, the wisdom of building good friendships in our lives. In fact, Proverbs will show us that we we simply cannot thrive in life as humans without having friends around us. And as we look at Proverbs this morning, I think we'll be helped to recognize and to delight in the greatest friend who came down from heaven, walked on earth, and died for his friends. Well, let's dive into Proverbs. You'll see in the handout, first of all, the first heading is this, the nature of true friendship. And just to warn you, we're going to move around Proverbs a little bit this morning. There's not um, only one reading that will cover the whole topic, and uh, it will be more thematic. And uh, you might find it helpful to have the Bible to hand, and this handout as well. But the first reading from Proverbs is, is Proverbs 18, verse 24. True friendship is close. Look at Proverbs 18, verse 24. It's on page 653. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I've got two brothers. We get on very well. I, I love my brothers. One lives down near London, the other one is up in Lancaster, and of course I'm based here in Sheffield, and so we are rather scattered across the country. We love being together, but we're not together very often, and that is the way modern families often work nowadays. Families tend to scatter, even ones that enjoy each other's company, but not so in the ancient days. Back when Proverbs were written, families stay together. They live together. Brothers wouldn't scatter. They would be in the same camp generation after generation sharing life together. But Proverbs says there is a kind of friend who is closer even than a brother in Proverbs. And so we can see straight away that there's a difference between having a companion and having friends. Verse 24, um, we can have many companions and, and come to ruin. Perhaps a companion is a friend on Facebook or someone we play sport with or we see at the school gates or enjoy a drink with. Perhaps a companion is someone we meet at church on a Sunday and we see them one month and we have a very pleasant conversation. We stay around afterwards and have tea together and have a a lovely chat. But then we don't see them again for a couple of months and then we do see them again and we have another lovely chat and we ask them how they're doing. They say, fine. They ask us how we're doing. We say, very well, thank you. Even if behind the scenes our lives are falling apart. That is what a companion is like. But a friend is close. Social media can be a great tool for helping us with friendship. It can make it easier to arrange meeting up with friends. It it can help us track down lost contacts. I'm not against social media per se. But when we substitute 
the kind of interaction social media can sustain with close face-to-face friendship, whether we are, we're on dangerous grounds. At a church like Forward, I think it's easy for us to spread ourselves too, uh, too thin. It's lovely to be here on a Sunday morning with hundreds of people, and it's a great joy to have Christian family around us, but we couldn't possibly know everyone here in this room at a close level. And I think the danger is that we, we, we just enjoy lots of different contacts. We enjoy having lots of people around for, for lunch, or we, we enjoy going out for a drink with lots of different people. And it's good and right that we do have a, have a kind of well-rounded uh, view of the church family, but if we're not going deep with some people, then Proverbs would warn us, is there a friend who is close to us, closer than a brother, not just a companion, but a, but, but a friend? And so I wonder, what do we do if we don't have many close friends? I suspect that's a danger for many of us. I've found it rare to come across someone who says to me that I've actually got too many close friends. Normally it's the opposite. I've got lots of companions, but very few close friends. Well, for some of us, we'll be new to Fullwood, and it's great to have you here. And just a word for the newcomers. I know it takes time to build good friendships. And when we first arrive, we can feel a bit overwhelmed by the task and the, how far back we feel. But um, with time, with patience and perseverance, um, I, think, I know many people here have discovered that there are great friendships to be built here in the church family if we stick at it. But for others of us here, I think we need to be intentional about our friendships. We need to look at our diaries and our plans, what we're aiming for, and think, am I carving out enough time in my week, in my month, in my year to deliberately, intentionally set aside time to go deep with a few people, to develop close friends? And there is a cost to this. It feels awkward, even as I say it. because It's not very British to kind of say that. And to, to kind of get alongside someone and to um, have them around for dinner, not once or twice, but three or four times, and more than that, to, to, to book them up for coffees, and not just once, but to, to make a point of really trying to get to know them well. The danger is as we draw near to someone, they might not want to draw near to us. There's a sense of putting ourselves out there to start grow good friendships. And um, I wonder if this is something that men particularly struggle with, but it is easy to be passive, to let other people do all the running, to be the ones, other people to instigate the, the kind of the deepening of friendships. And we kind of hang back waiting for someone to pick us out. But actually, I wonder if we need to be more proactive, saying, well, who can I get alongside? And if someone does try to deepen the relationship with us, make it easy for them, if we can. Work with them. Perhaps if they instigate one time, then be the one who instigates the next time. So be intentional. But, but, but also... We need to be discerning. And uh, if you have got a Bible handy, uh, Proverbs 13, just a quick reference here. Proverbs 13, verse 20, on page 647 in my Bible. Thirteen, verse 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. See, in the world of Proverbs, not everyone is wise. 
There are fools around in the world, not people who are lacking intelligence, but people who reject God's ways in the world. And it's not just a question of, do I have friends? But have I made wise friends with people who are not fools who reject God, but people who are gonna be wise accepting God's ways in the world? And for some of us this morning, it might mean stepping back from friendships that aren't wise in order to grow new ones that are. True friendship is close, Next, uh, true friendship is, is faithful. And uh, Proverbs 17, verse 17. Page 652. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. I've mentioned my brothers already, and um, I do get on with them uh, now very well, but uh, not always growing up. Uh, we would often have little fights and squabbles, as uh, children often do. We used to fight over the, uh, the washing up, and, uh, and the middle seat of the back car. No one wanted to sit in the middle seat of the back car, and we used to fight over whose turn it was to sit there. And um, many parents reading Proverbs 17, verse 17, think it's simply describing everyday life. A brother is born for adversity. And it feels like often um, brothers are fighting and squabbling. But I don't think that's what the verse means. I think rather, you see, our our family is our safety net in life. Or or at least families should be. I know often painfully it's not. But you see, we don't choose our families. We're born into a family. We don't choose our parents or our siblings or whatever. But we're given them by God. He chooses them for us. And there is a certain obligation that comes with being family. Families should look after family. If we're born into a family, we should look after family. If there's adversity coming our way, hard times, difficult times, then families should stick together. That's what brothers should do in life. They don't always, but they should through obligation. But a friend is different from a brother because a friend chooses because they love. A friend loves at all times. Not through obligation. A friend could have chosen anyone in the room here this morning, but a friend chose you to look after you because they love you. They've decided to make your needs their priorities. And that's true friendship. And it's often only when life goes wrong, when we experience a crisis, that is when we realize who our true friends are. And sadly, it's in a crisis that when, that when many people discover that they have lots of companions, but very few friends. You see, a friend is faithful, loving at all times. And I'm sure each of us here this morning long to be befriended by a faithful friend who loves us through thick and thin. But um, this morning, I, I want to turn it around on its head. I want to ask each of us, who are we befriending like this. At one time many years ago, I was uh, sick in bed for a week or so, and a friend of mine heard I wasn't well, and he just popped by with a bag of DVDs and a, a bag of snacks, and he just said, Pete, I heard you went well. I was thinking of you. I just bought you some stuff. I hope you feel better soon. Uh, his taste in DVDs, well, it wasn't very good, um, but I didn't, I didn't mind. I knew that he, he cared about me. He was just doing something simple to show that he was a friend. A few months later, I was feeling much better, but then I was going through a circumstance that was much harder than a week of ill health in bed, and I went straight to that friend and said, can we talk? I've got some hard stuff to work through. 
And it's interesting, isn't it, that when, when someone's faithful to us in the small things of life, when someone drops us a text or writes a card or brings some DVDs around when we're not well or gets the shopping sorted out, faithful in small things, it's interesting that when the big things come along, they are the people we go to because we know that they love us. We can trust them with our lives. I remember being challenged by a question the preacher Von Roberts once said in a sermon years ago. He said, do people tend to come to us when they are in a crisis? And if not, why? And it's a good question to ask. Is it possible that we are not being a good friend in the small things, which means that people don't trust us with the big, the big things of their lives? A friend loves at all times. It's easy to resent the hassle, isn't it? We, we live busy lives and often we feel like we are, ourselves are only just getting through life. And so when a friend comes to us needing our help and time and energy, it, it is costly. It, often the timings aren't convenient. But Proverbs urges us to be a friend at all times, a faithful friend. And when we give ourselves to other people like that, so often we discover that in return we also gain friendship back from them as well. Before we go on, I do need to say one word about gossip. For some of us, this might be one reason why some people aren't quick to come to us with their difficulties. And look at Proverbs 16, verse 28. That's on page 651. Proverbs 16, verse 28. A perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip separates close friends. If a person does open up to us with something hard in their lives, a difficulty, a challenge, whatever it is, and then we go and share that information with someone else, if, if we gossip at least two things almost always seem to happen. The first is that those who hear the gossip realize that the gossiper is not someone they can trust with their hurts. And the second thing is, and I don't know how it happens, but it almost always seems to be the case that somehow the one who's gossiped about ends up hearing about the one who gossiped about them. Somehow it happens. And proverb is very clear. It separates close friends and so the the warning is, is, is clear to us be wise be a faithful friend by not being a gossip True friendship is faithful. Uh, next, we're going to speed up as we go along. Don't worry if you're worrying about how, how slow we're going. Uh, next, true friendship is considerate. And we're looking at Proverbs 25, verse 20. Page 661. 25-20. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day or like vinegar poured on soda is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. This is about empathy. A true friend understands our inner emotional landscape. Yes, there's time in friendships to laugh 
and to have a great time and to see the lighter sides of life. But there's also times in friendships where we just need to weep and say nothing apart from just being there, resonating with the pain someone's going through. It does take hard work, time, and effort to, to learn to read someone else. It takes self-control to rein in our own mood and to sit with them in their mood. So perhaps we've had a brilliant day at work and we come home just full of energy and joy and we come back home and realize that at home the mood is different. It's sad. And it, it means just reining ourselves in, adopting their mood, not ours. And it is okay not to try to cheer someone up when they're sad. Someone who's considerate will know when it's okay just to be there in the tears, not trying to make people happy, not trying to change their mood, just being with them in the brokenness. I do need to say that not everyone is good at empathy, and often it's the people who are not good at empathy who don't realize that they are not good at empathy, if that makes sense. And so here's something we could all do. If there is someone around who knows us well and who we trust and is, is loving and kind with their words, we, we could ask them sometime when we're feeling brave, tell me, am I good at empathy or do I need to learn a bit more? It'd be great to hear what other people think of us. That'd be a great way to check if we are considerate in our friendships. And if we do struggle to get the mood right, if we do need to learn, we, we can. We can pray for God's help we can pray for patience for a quick year to, to observe what's going on. Maybe even putting a sticky note in the mirror each morning to say, be considerate in your friendships. Next, true friendship is, in, is encouraging. And now we're over the page on the handout. True friendship is encouraging. And Proverbs 27 verse 9, page 662. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart and the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. Just across the page, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You see, here, the best thing about friendship in these verses is actually the encouragement that comes from a friend, the wise counsel, the sharpening, and when it comes to friendship, yes, enjoy planning holidays and talking about the football results from yesterday and having a laugh together, but, but also look for, for moments to move beyond those things to counsel and encouragement. I, I was struck by someone on Wednesday saying how uh, he spends lots of time with people, but often that time isn't well spent, using the time to talk about important things that spur people on. And so uh, maybe in our friendship, it's not just talking about the football, whatever it is, but talking about Christ, spurring each other on, maybe asking about how the family devotions are going in the mornings, are they happening, can I help, what's working, what's not working. A, a friend said, I, I'm struggling to make a stand for Christ at work. And then we can talk about it, pray about it, spur each other on to live for Christ in difficult circumstances. You see, a, a true friend is, is encouraging, spurring us on to live God's way in his world. And finally, true friend, a true friend is honest. Proverbs 27, verse six. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. 
you know that social conundrum, you're at a dinner party and uh, you're enjoying some pavlova together and one of your number indulges in a large mouthful of the, the creamy soft pavlova and as they take their fork away, there's a bit of cream that's just stuck to their nose. And um, the, uh, the, being the kind of British, it's very hard, isn't it, to kind of say you, you've got something in your nose and so we kind of hold back, don't say anything. But, but a friend would speak up, oi, you've got some cream in your nose and they would sort us out. Look, it's a silly example, but that's what Proverbs is talking about. We need friends around us who are willing to say hard things about us, uh, to us. Uh, areas perhaps where we're getting it wrong. Pete, you're, the, the way you responded was, was, was too angry there, or you're too, you're too quick to defend yourself, or you didn't forgive, or a friend challenges you if you like, wounds you. It's hard to hear. It's not easy to go through. But they can do it because they are your friends. They love you. You know that they're the ones who are close to you, who are, who are faithful to you, who are there to encourage you and not to gossip about you. They're considerate. And so when they, when they do speak to you gently and kindly and carefully, you know that what they're saying is for your good. You can take it on board. And just as an aside, if we are the one receiving um, the wound from a friend, then we should try to make it as easy as possible for that friend to say what they need to say. Not to put a brick wall up or to come out fighting when they give us a, an insight, but to, to take it on board, to thank them, to say that we'll, we'll think about it, we'll pray about it, we'll ponder it, and to ex- trust our friends and their feedback I'm not saying that we should go on a witch hunt or, or dive in with both feet or to be harsh. We could easily damage people, couldn't we? But if we are friends with someone in the proverb sense of the word, if we love them, are committed to them and faithful, it, it will at times mean saying the hard thing. The nature of true friendship. There's much more we could say, but we've seen this morning, haven't we, from Proverbs, that true friendship is close and faithful and considerate and encouraging and honest. And we don't need to be a Christian here this morning to see how good it is to be surrounded by people like that in our lives. But um, I don't mind telling you this week that as I've been preparing this sermon, looking at Proverbs and looking at my own life, I've realized that how poor a friend I so often am. Maybe lots of companions, but not as many friends. And I imagine I'm not alone this morning as we looked at what Proverbs says, it is challenging stuff, often very aware of our failures in our friendships. And that takes us to our second point, much more briefly this morning, our need for the true friends. And in your Bibles, flick forward now to John chapter 15. It's on page 1083 of the Pew Bibles. John 15, verse 12. Jesus said, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. These are remarkable words. If you know the context, it's the night before Jesus dies Uh, The next day he will be hung on a cross, crucified, uh, not for his wrongdoings, but for the the sins of the world. 
And he is speaking at this point to his followers, his disciples, the very men who in a few hours' time will abandon Jesus through fear for their own lives. And in that moment, he says these words of great tenderness, how he loves them, and how, verse 13, he he lays down his life for his friends. He calls them friends in this moment. And that is remarkable because they are about to betray him. He knows that. And yet he calls them his friends. And he's going to be a friend to them by laying down his life to die for them. Because they are faithless, he dies in their place to forgive them, to restore that relationship. And so come and marvel at the forgiveness of the true friend Jesus. Willing to forgive his disciples who betrayed him and left him. Willing to forgive us when we fail to live as his people, when we fail to be good friends ourselves. He doesn't abandon us. He lays his life down for us, dying on the cross for us, calling us friends, forgiving us. He is the true friend. And more than that, he is faithful. I'm sure you know the story, but after his resurrection in John 21, Jesus takes these same disciples and he has a breakfast with them on the beach and he he brings them in and he, he recommissions them. He says, go and feed my sheep. He doesn't walk away from them. He recommissions them. And even though so often we fail to live as God would have us live, he is a faithful friend to us. He doesn't let go of us. He sticks with us. He is a faithful friend. And indeed, as we look at the book of Proverbs and then look at Jesus, we see that in so many ways, he is the perfect friend that Proverbs longs for. He is close to us, living in Christians now by his spirit. He is faithful, never giving up on us and keeping all his promises. He is considerate. He understands our hearts perfectly. Jesus is encouraging and spurring us on to hunger and thirst for righteousness through his teaching. And in his teaching, he is honest with us, pointing out our sins, wounding in a loving way. And so the book of Proverbs should lead us to delight and rejoice in the true friend we have in Jesus. And indeed, if we look to any other human friend to meet our deepest longings for friendship, we will always be let down. No human can bear the burden of being that true friend who's always close, always faithful, always encouraging, always loving. We all mess up. Only Jesus is that way all the time. And so as Proverbs shows us what friendship looks like, we look to Jesus and see he is our true friend. And we would do well to go to him first and foremost for our great longing for friendship. He offers it to us freely. And as we look at Jesus and accept his friendship, then we are well placed to go out into the world and to befriend others and to help them look at Jesus as well. But as we finish, Jesus gives us also an example of friendship that we are to follow. He says, doesn't he, verse 12, love each other as I have loved you. And if we know that we have not been a good friend, the key to being a better friend is to start by looking to Jesus. See how he has loved us. See how he forgives us even though we mess up. See how he's faithful even though we aren't faithful to him. And as we see and as our hearts sing with his faithfulness and love to us, 
so we are warmed and moved to start to love other people the way he has loved us. And so as we finish this morning, what better place to finish than looking again at those words of Jesus. Verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, we do marvel again this morning at the the remarkable friendship that the Lord Jesus offers us and gives us. And when we see our own failings and mistakes, our own uh, um, lack of faithfulness, our own self-centeredness in life, uh, we wonder again this morning that he would set his love on us, that he would choose us and commit to us, even to the point of dying for us. And so, Father, we thank you that in our longings for friendship, we have in the Lord Jesus, the one who meets our deepest longings. But, Father, we also pray this morning that you'd help us to love just a bit like he loved, to so befriend others, just in in a way, something of how he's befriended us. Father, please spare us on with his love that we might love others as he has loved us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.